Welcome to New Mansion Church. What you're about to hear is a message from our pastor, Dr. Jeff Mars Sr. To learn more about the church, visit newmansion.org. God bless and enjoy the message. Good morning. Appreciate those good songs this morning. We've been looking at the story of Elijah and Elisha on Wednesday nights. These two remarkable men of God. And uh, what a blessing it is. Whoa, there we go. What a blessing it is to, uh, to study these miracles of these two men. It's interesting that God would send two men like that, one after another. Elijah, meaning the Lord is my God. Elisha, meaning the Lord is my salvation. And truly the Lord is our God, but he is also our salvation. And most importantly, he is our salvation. That's the proof that he is our God, is in the salvation that we hold in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, at times, we feel so stretched out of shape. And... Uh, Karen, I needed to hear that this morning. The Lord is right on time, you know? He he can stretch us a little bit at times, though. When the the boys were were little, some of you may remember there was a a toy called Stretch Armstrong. And what you did was you stretched it, and it was supposed to return back into shape. Well, when this toy came out, we had three little boys in our house, and their objective was to stretch it as far as they possibly could, which they did. And it did come back into shape a few times, but it didn't after that. It just kind of, uh, it looked pretty bad after that. You, You know, everybody grab an arm and a leg and let's pull. Sometimes we feel that way in life, don't we? We feel like Stretch Armstrong. We feel like we've been stretched completely out of shape. We pray, we we desire to see the Lord move, we say, Lord, where are you? And we understand when he comes that he is right on time. Now, he stretched us a little bit in the process. He doesn't want us just to go back the way that we were. He wants us to grow in that process, and I believe that's why he stretches us, so that we can grow in him, so that we can grow in grace, so that we can grow in knowledge of the Lord so that we can mature as brothers and sisters together in Christ, so that our love can increase one for another. And as the Lord showers his blessings upon us, that we will fully realize just what he's doing and who that he is. Well, this morning we are looking at the the book of Matthew, chapter 24, once again. As we look at this 24th chapter, this prophetic portion of the Olivet Discourse, We've come all the way down to verse 23 this morning, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 23. As we have examined this discourse of our Lord Jesus Christ in detail, we've seen how our Lord portioned it up into different portions. And first, as we saw him responding to his disciples' questions, he talked about the end times relating to the nations of the world. And then, more specifically, a few weeks ago, we saw that our Lord began to talk about the end times relating to the nation of Israel. And that's where we are this morning, looking at that. And uh, our Lord will continue on and eventually will answer 
the first question that was asked as he speaks of the end times relating to the church. And we'll get to that in a few weeks. But this morning, as we look at this time, continuing on from last week, talking about what is going to happen in Israel in the end times. And our Lord has described to us, as we've looked at, the the abomination of desolation and the coming of this world leader who will pour out his wrath upon the church and the, the command that's given to the, the nation of Israel, I'm sorry, to, to Israel as a group. He will pour out his, his wrath upon Israel as a group and that command will be given by our Lord that they will flee to the wilderness where they will be protected. And then we pick up with this as... Our Lord makes a place of protection. He also gives a warning of those things that are ahead. And this morning, that's what we want to look at, the warnings of the coming deception that we see beginning in verse 23. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 23. The Bible saying these words, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Our thought this morning, the warnings of the coming deception. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we stand before you in your presence once again this day. We offer praise and worship to you, the gratitude of our hearts for the blessings that we receive, for the knowledge that you put in our hearts that escapes our minds at times, that we are to be the children of faith, that as we hold on and hang on, we continue to bless you, we continue to honor you, we continue to worship you. In these days that you have prepared before us, Father, in this world in which we live, with its chaos and its turmoil, Father, we seek you more than ever before. We desire you to draw near to you in relationship and fellowship and love and to honor you, Father, through your word and through the practice of your word as men and women of God. Lord, we ask you to touch our hearts, to set them on fire with your goodness and your grace, with your holiness, with a fervency for the things that you desire to impart within us, Lord. Let your word be found in us, Father. May it dwell richly in our hearts. May we be called by your holy name, your children, the children of faith, the children of promise the children of hope in a lost and dying world. And we'll give you praise in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Last week we read the the command of our Lord for the remnant to flee, and we saw that 
As we look at our world today, it is amazing through the many years that have gone by that the Lord has still preserved this one place called Petra. To the south of Jerusalem, far to the south of Jerusalem it sits in, in modern day Jordan. And there it sits in a, in a state which is very unusual. It is a place that is prepared, yet it is a place that is uh, virtually vacant except for the many visitors and pilgrims that come through that area to look at it today. As we look back in the history of, of the events that shaped the nation of Israel, there was a, a man by the name of W.E. Blackstone. He was a powerful preacher in the 18th and the 19th centuries. And uh, especially at the time of the turn of the century, he was a tireless worker for the Reformation within the nation of, of Israel or, or the territories that would become the nation of Israel. He desired to see God's will done and his work done, and he thought that perhaps that his role would be one that would help to usher in those things. But he came to the realization that his role was to preach the gospel and was to do everything that he could for the Lord. And that as men and women saw the Lord and looked to him, that God's will would indeed be done in this world. And Blackstone was, uh, was a man who was a visionary of sorts, and he was one who would lead others, and eventually uh, those who would come together to form the nation of Israel. He, put, uh, he exerted his influence on political men through the preaching of the word. And one of the things that he did toward the end of his life was that, that W.E. Blackstone took his amount of wealth that he had, his riches that he had, and he purchased Jewish New Testaments. And he underlined these verses that we see right here in Matthew 24 and Revelation 12. He sealed them in clay jars and he placed them in the city of Petra, and uh, they are still there to this day. Because he said when the, when the Jewish nation, the remnant that is left, flees to the wilderness, he wanted to do his own little part, he said. He called himself God's little errand boy. And he said, I want to do my part. And that was, that was his part, he said, that he could be an inspiration through God's word to those who would stand in that day that they would read the words of Jesus that we've read this morning and that God would give them understanding and wisdom in that. And why is wisdom and understanding needed? Well, look at our world around us today. Look at the events of our world. We see all of these events that, that gather us. And we see the, the call in our day and time of those who claim to be a type of Messiah. It's occasional, perhaps. But the Bible says this will increase. It will become more and more so as we draw near to the end. And our Lord tells us that these will arise, these false Christs, these false messiahs, claiming to be something that they're not. Maybe they will name that by name as, as men have done in the past, like Jim Jones or David Koresh or Sun Young Moon. They will actually claim, I am the Christ. Maybe they will do it in more subtle ways, simply leading people away. And there are many people like that. There are many organizations and, and pseudo-Christian churches and, and assemblies today 
which may bear the name of Christ, but nothing that they do resembles that in any way, shape, or form. They are not the Antichrist, but the Bible says there are many types of the Antichrist, those that lead people away with foolish doctrine, with errant doctrine, refusing to believe and refusing to hold to the truth. And it will continue to grow worse and worse. And as the church is taken away and and everything falls apart here upon planet Earth, it will become that much worse yet. And what our Lord is saying, he says that though I will prepare a place for you and I will hide you in the cleft of the rock and I will uh, literally in the cleft of the rock that is there in this place, the temptation nonetheless is to listen to the knowledge and the so-called wisdom of the world. We live in a day and time that that looks at things such as the Bible and they say these are outdated, these are antiquated, these things were for the past. These things bear no resemblance on our society today and what you and I should be doing. Because they say this may be good advice as such, but here's reality. And society dictates to us every day what a new reality is. In the technology that we have around us and in all of the the fancy gadgets that we use in our lives, And I thought a lot this week about what we were talking about Wednesday night about Elisha as he went and had a place prepared for him. And that place consisted of a bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand, a candlestick. And that was all that he needed. In our day and time, we would all go crazy in about five minutes in a room like that. It wouldn't matter that we had a roof over our heads. It wouldn't matter that we had a table set before us and a bed to sleep in. We need to be entertained. We need need the, the mental stimulation of something constantly in our hands or upon our minds and and something blaring at us all the time. That's our society today. We can't imagine a time just to sit and quietly meditate upon God's Word. That time is becoming less and less and less. Now, there are, there are very many good practical ways to receive God's Word and God's message through podcasts and through sermons and, and through materials that are available to us. But nothing really takes the place that we all need a time to get away and to get alone and to simply seek the Lord in prayer and to talk to Him and to listen to what He has to say to us. And the world is lacking that in our day and time. But the replacement for that is what we see here. It is the siren song of those who call out and say there is a better way. There is something you're missing out on. There's something new in society. There's something new that's trending right now. You need to be a part of it. Don't miss out on this. It is the constant call of our society that says something is there for us. Something new. Something great. As you know, I'm sure you all know, the iPhone 6 being released here just a few days ago, perhaps a week ago now. And Apple reports record sales. Ten million people lined up to get an iPhone 6 the first week. That's a record. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with lining up to get new technology, but do we, do we get that excited about what God has to say to us, what God is doing in our lives, what God has prepared for us? 
And the answer is probably no, because society dictates that and pushes that. And we are dependent upon the feedback from others so much of the time to determine what is really our own self-worth, what, what we are worth and what's good for us. And it can't be that way. It has to be a time, a time of refuge, a time of peace in our hearts, a time of worship with the Lord, such as we have today, a time to listen to what he has to say to us and to respond to him when he calls upon us. You see, ultimately, someday we will all get really excited about God's word and what God has to say to us. And when we see him face to face, I promise you we will in that day and time, get very excited. But we don't line up today. There's no one lining up. There's no, there's no lines outside churches today to get in to hear God's word. There's no hunger in our day and time to say, I want to hear the true word of God. I want to hear the message of God. I want to hear it in its fullness for my life, for my self-worth, for my future that is ahead. Because the word of God speaks in a still small voice and the world cries out in a blaring loud voice. And Jesus simply saying this, he says, when you hear these things, don't believe them. Don't believe them. They will increase. They will continue on. The craziness of this world, the chaos of this world will continue to increase. It will continue to multiply. And the question is, will we respond to that? Or will we listen to the voice of God? Jesus says there's only one opportunity for you, and that is to listen to the voice of God. Now you and I, you see, we have an advantage. If we are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, if we claim his holy name, the Bible says that today you and I, the church, stand as the elect. And that is God has put his word within our hearts, and he has given us the ability to listen to what he has to say to us. Now, in hearing God's word, it means that we have to listen for his voice. Above all the noise and the clutter of this world, yet he says, listen for my voice. And in this age of grace that he's given to us, that's his promise for us. But ultimately, the Bible says there will come a time when Christ will call his church away, this event we call the rapture. And this morning, what we see is we see an event called the second coming of Christ. And I want to remind you, these are two distinct events. The rapture happening before the tribulation, seven years of tribulation. And during the last half of this tribulation, as we're seeing, the hiding of Israel. And then ultimately, the catching away of the nation of Israel in the second coming of Christ when he returns to this place in a very spectacular way. And so the Lord speaks here of the elect in this particular set of verses, referring now to the nation of Israel. The elect known as the church is gone. The elect, which is Israel, still remains. But God still has a promise and a plan and a path for them as well. And so, you see, we see those two terms used for the church and for Israel both. And I, and I point that out to you again because there seems to be so much confusion on that. People will tell you the elect is only the church. But as we looked at last week, 
looking at Isaiah 45, Isaiah 65, Romans 11, we see that it refers specifically to the nation of Israel as well. And the elect just simply means those who are called of God for his purpose and who receive and respond. You and I respond to the call of the Lord. We are the elect this morning. There is an election upon our life. We, we have a privilege and a right with the Lord that he has placed within our lives. We have a hope that is ahead. We have the joy of salvation that lies before us and the promise that comes with a new birth. And that will be realized for every single one of us who are true believers at the rapture of the church. But after that period of time, you see God's economy shifts once again to the nation of Israel. And now his elect, also his elect, are there to receive from him the promises that God has for them. But God tells us the same thing today. He says, when you hear these things, don't believe them. Now there have been many who have been fooled by the words of, of madmen and, and those who claim to be something that they're not. From the Jim Jones of this world to the Sun Young Moons and those who would lead people astray. How do we know if it's true or not? If it doesn't line up with what our Bible says. If we're not discerning in our hearts to truly question. You and I could be fooled as well. We could believe a lie. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be those who, who are not the discerning because God has given us, he's placed a head upon our shoulders. He has placed his Holy Spirit within our hearts. And he says, listen to what I have to say to you. And as true Bereans, prove it out with the word of God as well. You see, we cannot go wrong if we spend time on our knees in prayer with the Lord and with a Bible in our hands seeking the word of God. We can't go wrong. Because our Lord is not making the path hard for us. He's not saying, uh, you've got to jump through hoops to get to me. But he says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the question is this, where are our hearts this morning? Are they given to him? Or are they muddied in the, bogged down in the cares of this world and, and all of the things that we think that we have to do? Well, there's one thing that I do know about the cares of this world. I've lived long enough to know that. The things that you think that you care about, the things that you think you have to do, they will not get less. Okay? They will only increase. They will only multiply until it is one thing after another, after another, after another, and our priorities get so out of whack that pretty soon we say, well, I don't have time anymore. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read God's word. I don't have time to attend church because I'm too busy with all the important things that I have to do. You know, we all do have things that are very important in our lives. We all set priorities in our lives. We are all thinking men and women. And as your pastor, I tend to trust your judgment. Until you tell me otherwise, until you tell me I'm not a thinking man or woman, help me, then I tend to trust your own judgment in these matters. 
And so you set the priorities of your life, I set the priorities of mine. But make sure when you set those priorities that they are in line with what God has for you. Don't let the siren song of this world dictate to you what is important and what is not in your life. Don't allow uh, the mask of this world, which is really just a picture of Satan and his strategies for you and for me, the deception of this world, to run you ragged. That's not what God has for you. God doesn't want anyone run ragged. He wants us to have peace. He says, I want you to have righteousness, joy, and peace. That's what God desires for your life and mine. That's what he will desire one day for his remnant, the elect of Israel, hidden away. And he says, don't listen to these things. You see, the world has always cried out for signs and wonders. And today, you and I can be easily swayed. When we see signs and wonders in our day and time, when we see these events, we hear movies about, well, you know, the little boy, the little girl said this on the movie right there, so it must be the truth. These are signs and wonders. Our Lord says, don't be easily swayed by these things. You know what the truth says. You know what the Bible says. God hasn't changed his way, his plan of salvation. It is still by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the only way it will ever be. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Signs and wonders will continue and continue and things that look like Christ will continue to appear in our day and time. And our Lord says, believe it not. And they had to wonder, I suppose, well, Lord, if you've hidden us away, if you put us in this place of refuge, if you're feeding us daily, if the world is pounding away on us in the chaos and the darkness of this world, and the deception of the enemy, and those who come to try and draw us out into the open... How will we know? And Jesus says this, there will be no doubt. There will be absolutely no doubt when he returns. The second coming of Christ, he says, every eye shall see it. Every eye will behold it. It's like lightning from the east all the way across the western sky. You see, when Christ comes to take his church home, in this event we call the rapture, he says, I will come as a thief in the night. And I have to wonder, Cindy and I talking about this this, this week, I have to wonder, will the world even notice when we're gone? How many of us will go? How many, well, all the true believers will go. All those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we look at the world as a whole, how many will that actually be? And when we look at ourselves individually, personally, can we truly say, that's me. That's me. I know when the Lord comes back, I have no doubt that I will be in that number. I have no doubt because I'm not listening to the call of this world. I'm listening for the voice of the Lord. Because I'm spending time with the Lord in prayer. Because he is the priority of my life. Because I'm seeking his word and seeking his face. 
Now, I have no doubt we could all do better. Personally speaking, of course I could as well. But is that the cry of our hearts this morning? Is the cry of our hearts to seek out the Lord? To know the Lord? Is that the priority of our lives? Or do we become so bogged down with the things of this world that we no longer hear his voice? Priorities. Jesus says this in closing this morning as we look at this last verse, verse 28. Talking about where the carcasses are gathered. And the the idea being that that's where the vultures are as well. The vultures are drawn to rotting carcasses. We understand that. We've watched enough African documentaries on TV to know that's the way it works, right? Out on safari and the dead animals are there and here comes the vultures. And what our Lord is doing, he's giving us an indication. He's, He's showing us a picture of this time, Revelation 19, this time of his return, this time of this cataclysmic event, this final event, this time of two suppers, as we see in Revelation 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the feasting supper of the vultures. And the bottom line is this, we will all be at one of those two suppers. We will either be the guests at one or we will be the main course at the other. It's really as simple as that. We have to make sure that we have our priorities and our hearts right with the Lord. For all these events, whenever they will come, whenever they will be. But understand this. The call of this world, the siren song of this world that is so alluring and calls to us and and desires us to follow after. Jesus says this. It is nothing but simply the rotting system of this world. It's nothing but dead carcasses. There's nothing of redeeming value there. The only value that you and I find, the only redemption that we will ever experience is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only hope that we have. And my friends, in in the time that we have, the time that remains, whether it be days or weeks or months or years or however long until he calls us home, Will we listen to his voice? Will we be dedicated to him as our Lord and Savior? Will we trust him for the words of life? Stand with me if you would this morning. Are you on the narrow path of salvation this morning? Do you find yourself there? Jesus says it is a narrow path. He says few will find it. I don't know what few means. You don't know what few means. Percentage-wise, what exactly does that mean? But narrow is certainly much less than broad. Jesus says broad is the way to destruction. Narrow is the path to salvation. There will only be few that find it. 
We live in a world that's changing every day, signs of the times all around us. At times we don't like to think about those things. At times we're not concerned with those things. But they're there before us every day reminding us. And the question is, which is your priority? Is it the world? Or is it Christ? Who do you choose? Who do you follow? And is there enough evidence in your life to really prove it? When the world looks at you, you say, I follow Christ. But I don't have time to read his word. I don't have time to pray before him. I don't have time to seek his face. But I follow Christ. You see, the evidence of our lives really is the proof of who we're following. What do you listen to on the radio? What do you watch on the TV? Where do you spend your time? Where do we fit in this world? Is it with the Lord? Do you know that you're ready to go? Do you know that you know that you know that you're ready to go with the Lord if he calls you home? As some come to pray this morning, this altar's open. It's available for you to come and seek the Lord as well. before you this day. Our hearts are broken with the sin of this world, the deception of the enemy. Father, we ask you for clarity of heart and mind to mold us into your image, into your likeness, to purge us of all the unnecessary things in our lives, in our hearts. Refine us, Father, in your fires. Cleanse us from all iniquity and unrighteousness. And may we see you clearly, Father. May we hear your voice. May we follow after you. Father, as you stand before us, the very desire of our hearts draw us near to you. Speak to us in your word and your spirit. Lead us in your paths. Father, as we forsake all things in our lives that are unnecessary, as we purge ourselves of the junk of this world, Father, come in and do a work in us, a work of hope and a blessing Open our eyes, Father, to see these things around us as we give glory to you.
as we stand in your presence. As we worship you, Lord Jesus. I cried to the Lord and he heard my voice. With my supplication, I lifted my voice unto the Lord and he heard me and he answered my prayer. Jesus said, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. May you seek him, church. May you know him. Thank you for joining us at New Mansion Church Online. We would love to connect with you at newmansion.org. You can connect with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Marsh Sr. at pastorjeffmarsh.com. God bless, and we hope to see you again soon.